Channing Cash was born in a small village in Laos where at three years old, she was attacked by a bull that had escaped from its pasture. The attack left Channing unable to walk and was a catalyst behind her parents' immigration to America as they sought better medical care and quality of life for their daughter. Upon graduation from high school in Rockford, Illinois, Channing built a successful career as a mortgage professional and became known as the go-to person for achieving the American dream of home ownership among Rockford's large Lao community. One day, Channing hit the reset button on her life and walked away from the corporate world. She relocated to Southern California to enjoy the outdoors and pursue her newly found passion for water sports. As a member of the United States para rowing team, she took a shot at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. Channing is living her life to the fullest and advocates for accessibility in national parks and in the great outdoors for those with disabilities. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of C4 Podcast, Southeast Asian Athlete Achievement Through Adversity, where we showcase um, the, the stories behind behind the accomplishments. You know, John and I also run uh, Last Hoff Lao American Sports Hall of Fame, where we uh, showcase athletes and, and their and their accolades, right? And I wanted to take it a step further and then kind of open it up. Uh, not just uh, to Laos, but uh, the Southeast Asia region where we talk about uh, where we have athletes come on and they share their stories. So if you haven't already, please like, follow and share our page. Uh, tell your family and friends, uh, you know, go through the library that, uh, that we have of, of uh, all the athletes. And uh, again, welcome to the show. I'm going to hand it off to my partner, John Messina, and he will introduce our guests. Yeah, Channing, we're really excited to have you on. Um, Cole and I went down this journey of showcasing athletes and telling their stories, and I'm not sure we found one better than yours. So um, <laughs> <laughs> an incredible amount of adversity that you went through, um, and also just how you really took a shot at your dream in life, um, we think is inspiring, whether for people with disabilities or not taking a shot and doing something that you love and taking charge of your own destiny. We love that about what you've done. Um, so we're really excited. So we want to kind of start at the beginning and just tell your story to, to our listeners and the Lao community and others that listen. So why don't you maybe start back in Laos? Um, I know you were born there. Uh, start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, as you know, Laos is an undeveloped country, so it's really small, and, you know, they use animals to farm, you know. I was just a little girl, you know, um, so we have four girls. I'm the youngest, and, of course, as the Lao traditional way is, my mom's at the market every day selling her crops just to make ends meet, you know, and I was left with my sister, and, of course, my sister, she's eight years older than me, so she would have been 11 to babysit, like, how many other you know my other sister so we were just like a bunch of village kids just playing with each other really you know and um it was just like um like they use bulls they use these water ops and things like that to farm and it just happened to got out and I just happened to be there and I just remember like just people just like really screaming and yelling but I didn't know what was going on I was three years old you know um, but I do remember it coming full force at me and I was so little, you know, and I, um, 
I landed on my back and broke my back and I shattered my left, left side of my hip. So, um, and I think during that time, it was just like, um, I think the Vietnam War was going on around that time. Um, so, you know, we weren't allowed to skate or leave Laos, you know. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about it, but I knew that that was something we couldn't just leave freely. And over there, they didn't have any like major medical help or hospital. I mean, we're in a small village, you know, maybe 100 people, maybe, if that, maybe. Um, so, uh, anyways, my parents just decide that they were going to escape last for me to get medical help. And that's what we did. And, um, we end up at a refugee camp for like two years. Like, I think we did like a year in Thailand and then another year in the Philippines. Um, and just escaping Laos, I have like a lot of memories of it too. Um, cause I didn't really know, understand what was going on, but this time I was already like where I couldn't walk anymore. And I just remember, like, we had to get to the other side. I believe there was, like, a river between Laos and Thailand. And we had to get to the other side to get to the refugee camp. And, um, and, and if I rush the story, that's because I, I, I tell this story so many times. And I yeah. always want to tell it where it's in my own raw words, you know, so it's not script or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's what we did. And, um Ah, yeah, so it was, it was a journey to come here, you know, so but that's a little bit briefly of yeah. my background. So we're mm -hmm. familiar. Ko was born in Laos. His family escaped. Okay. Um, my wife yeah. was born there. They escaped okay. um, through the refugee camp. Same. So same story yeah. um, mm -hmm. around that mm -hmm. same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Crazy. Jenny, I'm, I'm big on mental yeah. health. Because I myself have suffered from like depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. addiction, and it's just things we don't talk about in, in yeah. you know, the Lao culture, the Asian culture. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the, the event? Did, how did it affect you as, as a kid, like growing up? Um, well, absolutely. Because if you know anything about the Laotian community, we're so blunt, you know, we're so blunt to judge. We're so blunt to tell how things are. And, it, and if they don't say anything, you're doing well, right? So if they criticize you, you're not doing so great. So, and also like growing up, I was very like, um, you know, I, I came to the U.S. and I was, at this time, I was almost six years old. I started kindergarten. It wasn't just like thinking you're going to go to a whole different world, accepting a whole new culture and being a land where you don't, even speak the language it was me dealing with the fact that I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and really didn't know how to handle that because nobody in a wheelchair I was the only in the one in the wheelchair that I knew of and I think people just predicted that I wasn't going to really succeed I was going to live with my parent and um, whenever they pass it was too bad so sad for me you know I think that's what a lot of people predicted for me. And I think hearing that over and over, and as you know, the culture, we're not allowed to speak freely to our elders, right? And elders, they could just come out and tell you how the way it is. And I think I heard that so much. I was, that's what like really driven me that I knew I was going to do something so different. I knew I was going to get out of the Midwest. Like I lived in Illinois at the time. And if anybody knows Illinois, it's nothing but like cornfield and really no opportunity. We're, we're from right? Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> we, okay. we live there now. 
I was like, this can't be my life where I'm just going to go rockward and just, I don't know. I was just like, I wanted to do something, you know, better and, and no, nothing against you guys living in Illinois. Okay. You guys uh, have Chicago. Okay. <laughs> we'd love to be in the Southwest. I would love to be in the Southwest. Well, well I'm the foolish one. I, I was born and raised in California and yeah. I left there and went here. So I did the opposite of you, Channing. So. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so yeah, I mean, it must that's have what been, they predicted for me. Yeah. So tell us a little about your growing up, uh, your your teenage years, because that must have been tough, right? Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, as a teenager and growing through those years and growing up, everybody wanted to just fit in, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're walking or not. You just wanted to find your clique and fit in. Okay, and it wasn't just it just messed up the fact that I had like no self-confidence because again, people told you so much about what's wrong with you and never like what you're doing well. It's almost like, oh, well, like when it came to the years where everybody got the driver license, right? You guys remember those days where you couldn't wait to get your driver license? Well, it was during that time and everybody just thought, well, I don't know how you're going to drive, you know? And, and then driving was everything, you know? And I didn't, know anything about I didn't know how I was going to drive um and whatnot so that was like the big thing like the big thing for me um but I was introduced to hand controls I don't know if you're familiar with hand controls or not mm-hmm. um you know what it is okay yes um, yes yeah I had no idea but um the driver's ed actually had one of those and I was really surprised that they even had one of those. so that's what I drive with every day so right there was and I think like if you guys follow my journey, I drive so much and I don't mind the drive because the drive, when I'm driving, I feel like I'm running like everybody else, you know, like nobody can tell that I'm in a wheelchair. And every time I pull up and park in handicap, I get called out all the freaking time. Like, please, are gonna, you know, please confront me. People confront me. It's all kinds of people. Wow. So anyhow, that's why I'm passionate about driving. Um, but getting back to my teenager year, oh my gosh, I was so afraid that the guys weren't going to like me, you know, that was like my big thing, like, was I ever going to get a boyfriend, you know, um, it, it seems corny, right, but it, it really was in my mind, and I think I kind of blacked that out, because I just thought, gosh, you know, I've been dealt with this card, and I'm a freakazoid, and I'm an alien from everybody, so I was just going to work, 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 and not focus on boys or anything like that, and that's how I did I just I just shut anybody that was interested me down because I just didn't believe it I didn't I didn't believe they would go for somebody like me so you mentioned uh you mentioned helping out your parents could you tell us some of the responsibilities that were kind of put upon you um I might have to roll up my window eye because I am parked right by the train okay by as we're going um but yeah, growing up, I mean, because obviously my sister could walk, so they had, um, you know, just regular household chore. And my mom, I mean, she raised us old enough, like, we're supposed to, she's like the queen bee of the house, you know, and we're supposed to just do what she wants us to do. But since I couldn't really do that chores at a very young age, I was like the translator, you know, and um, that this is another why people always say to me, how come you don't speak with an accent? Because at a very young age, I had to be like my family's like CPA, you know, customer service rep, 
I still remember writing checks for my dad. My dad doesn't know what the amount. I just, you know, wrote it on for him and he would just sign off on it. And, and that was what my job title was. And then it became where like, I did it for my aunt, my uncle. Then it became like almost like a community service to the Laotian community. Um, so yeah, that's what I did uh, growing up. <laughs> I get that. I'm the youngest of the family too. And uh, everybody yeah. always tells me like, you know, we've paid our dues and it's your turn. So I, yep. I yep. where you're from. So. You totally got it. Well, mm -hmm. you know, um, you got out of high school and you launched a career and you kind of became almost famous in the Lao community. And I'll tell you, because I have a lot of family there. Um, yeah. and, and I reached out and, and said, Hey, would you happen to know, uh, Channing, we're going to be interviewing her. And they said, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <you know? laughs> and, uh, so anyway, you got into, you had a very successful business career that you got into. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, when I was in high school, you know, people are like, well, what are you going to do after high school? Cause I think I was working like a part-time job at like magic water and then, um target and walgreens those are like my three jobs i had if i was not in school and we got school break and then regular you know like if there was a school season it would be walgreens and target and that's what i did and then um i think one day my counselor said to me like okay so when you are high school what do you want to do and i was just like i don't know, I don't know what i want to do but I always recognized that I was always outgoing, I was always friendly, and I was always willing to help. And, you know, I think my counselor said to me, she was like, you would be really good in like marketing or some kind of finance or banking, you know? Um, they told me that there was like an intern um, that they were looking for. I was like, yeah, okay, sign me up, I'll go for the interview, no big deal, all right. So that's what I did, I ended up working um, they put me in the mortgage department. And back then, they didn't have computers where you just fill out the form. They had actually had like a paper document where you fill it out. You remember those days, right? So, that, so the loan officer would handle that, would give me those, the loan papers, and I would have to put them in a computer. And that's what I did. And then I kind of just like, you know, went to work with them off and on, off and on. And then um, people was like, well, what do you want to do after you do this? And then I became like... Um, um, an assistant to one of the loan officer and every time when anybody wanted like a home loan or anything and the fact that I could speak another language it became where they're like oh well have you talked to her blah 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 you know either they're like Vietnamese or Filipino they would just send them to me if they spoke another language they would just send them to me and that's what I ended up doing and then um, I did that for years and years and then um I think there was a position with Bank of America open up for um, a loan officer. And I kind of knew the paperwork because I, I remember I was 16 years old and kind of built, you know, really knew the paper system and kind of worked my way up. And they actually sent me to school and everything. And um, I ended up working with them for the longest time. And then the community just kind of knew that's what I did. And they came to me anything that was they needed, really. So... Awesome, awesome. Tell us about uh, 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 California. Like, what, what was, you know, tell us about the day where you, that light bulb went off and you said, you know what, I'm, I'm getting out of here and I'm going to California. And, and tell us <laughs> the story behind um, went out there. Oh, yeah. I think um, my vacation time was coming up. At this time, you know, like, 
my business was really growing. I, I, it was just like nonstop. I worked like a billion hours a week that I felt like. And then in the, the days that I was off, I would go help my parents because my parents are getting older and they still needed whatever their admin was. And I was just kind of like, this can't be my life. And I know some people think that's like an amazing position that I was in, but at the same time, I just didn't feel like I had really any time to myself, you know? It's just like I worked a lot, you know? And um, I think I had some vacation time and I was so sick of the snow. I was, I mean, you know, snow sucks for people that could walk, okay? But just imagine pushing yourself in the snow, you load up your wheelchair and you have just snow all over your tires, you track them in the house, you track them in the car, it becomes like, it's just frozen on your tire. And I was just like, this really sucks, you know? And since I was in the, the finance business, you always had dressed sharp, right? And it didn't matter what pants I wore. There was just snow liquid on the pants all the time. And I just hated that. Every time I looked at my clothes, I hated that, you know? Um, and anyways, my vacation came up and I thought, you know, I've never been to California, you know, and I think for at a very young age, everybody says California is horrible because you have an earthquake, you know, everybody's not really realistic there. Everybody's fake and blah, 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 you know, and I thought, well, I'm just going to go there just because I wanted to. So I went there and, um, well, actually, before I went there, I was looking at Facebook and they had this um, surfing event for people with disability. It was called Life Goes On. And I thought, well, how is that going to work? Like, who does that, you know? Um, and I thought, well, if they had a program and I had never been in the ocean my entire life, I've only seen it for a distance, you know, but never went in it. Um, why not sign up for it? So that's what I did. And I went out there and I think that was my first time where I actually saw people with disability that was like me. Cause there's like a lot of different types of disability, but you didn't like, I was kind of like in a wheelchair, but I wasn't like super immobile. Like I was still able to get around, like still drive. I live independently. And I've never really seen anybody in a wheelchair like that. It was either like they were a little, challenged than me or they were like super duper like senior citizen like they couldn't get around kind of type um and I think that was like an eye opener for me that you know my life is great in Illinois you know but at the same time I don't want to like do that for the rest of my life and not really get to spend time outdoors and all this other stuff and I think going to California brought back my childhood and the childhood is I just felt like you know, I always wanted to ride a bike. I never got to do that, you know? I wanted to know what it was like for wind to blow my hair as I'm riding that bike. I never got to roller skate, never got to do anything outdoors. You know, I couldn't even go kayaking without anybody saying to me, do you have a walking person to go with you? Because there's a liability issue if you drown. And just hearing that kind of statement makes you feel so just, just so like if you if if you weren't even human you know because how do you know if I could swim or not how do you know if a walking person could swim or not you know but they don't ask walking people stuff like that and just all that brought me back to where I need to go to a land where it's a little bit more I don't know like liberal more a little bit more wasn't going to be so judgmental and assume what I can and can't do um and so I decided I was going to move back home 
I flew back home and I sold my condo. I sold all my investments and I said, I'm going to go for it. And I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, you know? Um, and that's what I did. I kind of came to California, sat around for a little bit to kind of figure out what I was going to do. So that's how I got here. Awesome. Well, you did some big things out there. You got into some sports. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. That's exciting. Um, well, when I first came to California, I was working for Airbnb and I did manage um, property manager. And I didn't know a whole lot of people, um, but I wanted to do something that was recreational outdoors. Just because, come on, we live in Illinois and we don't really get to go outside until summertime, you know? And also I kind of felt like, you know, I'm getting older. I wanted to like keep myself healthy too, you know? Um, so I signed up at this club for like a paddling session and everything. And um, somebody was telling me that, um, that I was really good, you know? And I was, yeah, when people tell you that, you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know? Um, but they were like, no, you should, you should really, they have like this Paralympic team for Team USA. You should really, you know, think about doing it. And I think I paddled my first season and then I was just doing like little local races here and there and everything. And I thought, well, why not? I never got to do that. Why not? And that's what I did. And the first season, of course, I didn't make it. Um, so I just trained really hard and came back the second season and auditioned the second season. And I got on the team and I did, you know, second, I did end up doing three seasons with them. And I just decided I wasn't going to go back this year um, because I wanted to do other things. I, th I don't know, like, I still love paddling. But I also, I wanted to pursue other things, so. Yeah, that's great. So you were, you were, I know, hoping to get into the Tokyo Paralympics. Um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you had a tragedy in your life with your mom's passing. Tell yeah. us how that impacted you. Oh, I mean, it, it's hard because I was on the team for three seasons and just really abusing my body. I mean, because if you do, if you know sprint kayaking, it's an extreme sport. It's not an easy sport. Um, walking or not walking. If you even look at the walking division, it's a hard sport. It really is. And it really took a toll on my body. But I was real. but that was like, my goal is to make it to, you know, at the Paralympic level. And, um, you know, one day I just got a phone call and my sister was telling me that my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And I didn't really know how to take that because I, because I guess when I talk on the phone for her, she just seemed so normal and she was so energetic. So I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. I kind of figure if anything happened, it was going to be like after Tokyo, I wasn't participating. It was going to be right then and right now where she only had like a few months to live, you know? Um, so I went home, I flew back and see it. But every time I saw her, she was so normal. She was still working garden running around you know yelling at my dad or complaining whatever she is you know and I didn't see it coming um but then towards the end my sister was like you know you need to come home because I don't think she's going to make it you know um because she you could just kind of tell that she was shrinking in size too and it was really hard because I've been training for so long you know I mean it's the Olympic happens every four years you know and at the same time, I was like, this is my mom kind of deal. And I just, 
And also I felt like I found the sport at a very, because I'm 43 now, I'm going to be 44 this year. I felt like I found the sport at a really late age. So I was racing people like in their 20s, you know, and they have all the energy in the world, you know, like after my race, I'm exhausted. I go to the hotel room and I go take a nap, you know, um, that's how you know you're really in the 40s. Um, but yeah, and then also like, I started kind of like, um, like a lot of time I would drive to my races and because we carry a lot of equipment um, with us, like a paddle. I also have a special seat that's custom made for the boat rentals and things like that. Um, but every time I drove, I would take a detour of just like national parks and things like that. And I was, I was really passionate about that because I didn't get to do all that when I was younger. So when my mom was passing and everything, I was like, you know, I just need to just step back for a minute, you know, and just not do this and go home and spend as much time as I can with my family. And that's what I did. So. We're truly sorry to hear about the passing of your mother. So, yeah. um, tell us about the future. Tell us about Paris, Paris Olympics. Um, your plans. Well, um, you know, I know Paris is 2024 and I decided that I wasn't going to pursue that just because um, I started working with a lot of overlander companies and things like that. And um, I started doing, I was more involved in the camping side now because I just felt like, you know, I always feel like anytime when a walking person wants to go camping, they don't have to investigate like the land, the terrain, um, the path, if they want to do this or do that. But like for me, I had to investigate the whole like list of agenda, what I'm going to do that trip. And so I started getting with the like national park and um, start doing some trails for them and things like that. And kind of, um, so the national park is working on changing um, accessibility for not just somebody in a wheelchair, but there's people out there that walks with a walker or there's people out there that's with a power chair, you know, and they're trying to change things. And I decided that I was going to be a part of that program. So now I start traveling and I start speaking about how important accessibility is to us. So I've been so focused on that. I just felt like if I went back to paddling, I couldn't do that. It was just going to be paddle, 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 you know. Um, but I think I'm going to skip out this Paris one. But, I, but if I still can, I like to come back and represent the LA one, which is 2028. So that's my goal to do these national parks and help it make it more accessible for all abilities um so that's what i'm working on now so and then after paris i would like to get back into paddling and hopefully my body still lets me do that so that's where i'm at awesome awesome yeah that that's exciting i've been following your adventures <laughs> in the outdoors tell us about some of the cooler places you've been um let's see I have gone on, um, like the movie, I think my favorite part so far is the movie Jurassic Park, and it was a filming location in North California. Um, and I, I have on my Instagram, it's, it's, they call it Fern Canyon. And these canyon has nothing but ferns on either side. And you can walk through it as a loop, and it has waterfall, and it has like creeks and river that runs in it. And 
it's just like mind blowing thinking that's in California because it, I swear it looks like you're in Hawaii somewhere or somewhere in the rainforest. So that has been my favorite thing that I saw um, 2021 so far in my journey. Yeah, that, that's incredible. You're from Northern California, isn't you, John? Yeah, I am. So it's uh, there's some parts along the coast that are almost like a rainforest, very wet, very lush, yeah. and in a really beautiful area. And yeah, for for somebody like you, it's it's incredible with the work on accessibility, so you guys can get out and enjoy that. And I've seen some of the yeah. unique equipment you use to pedal out there. Um, it's really exciting. So with that, where can people follow you and and see these adventures and and see what Channing's up to? Well, I'm on Instagram, Instagram, and I have it under Wheel, and then Channing my name. Um, I'm also on YouTube. I just like I just started getting serious about YouTube because I really didn't have time because editing takes a long time. I mean, you should know, right? Um, <laughs> and just capturing a certain view, certain moment. So I just started working on that because I wanted to inspire like other people to get outdoors. Because when I was younger, I didn't know anybody that actually was has a disability but going out there and living it you know and um I think more and more people start tuning into my stuff and I'm getting like messages from these children these parents and I'm, I'm just living my life you know I wasn't trying to do anything but seeing that it makes me happy to know that these kids with the disability or, or not just kids with disability anybody you know because when they see my video they're just like all oh, right i can't believe you're doing that how did you do that i didn't know you could do that you know but just hearing that kind of makes me feel like wow i inspire somebody to go out and do that like there's older people that reach out to me and said wow i didn't now that i see you paddleboard I, i'm gonna go ahead and try it you know and that makes me happy that i can inspire other people to go outdoors yeah what, what advice would you give to those like uh, facing adversity or those who maybe have a hard time following their dreams? Like, like they want to follow their dreams, but family's in the way, right? Like our culture is like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. stuck, you know, and they, they, they feel stuck. What advice can you give to them? Oh, that one's so hard because it, the Laotian community is so strong, so hard because like when I first came out to California, my mom and dad, I think they like disowned me for like a month or so because they were so upset that I moved away, you know. And also I made it harder for my sister because I wasn't there to take my mom to the store and do things for her that I used to do, you know. So they hated me for a little bit, you know. Um, but because I moved out here, my mom got to come out to California and see the beautiful weather and see beautiful California. She was like, okay, now I know why she moved out there and she ain't coming back. I got it. Now I got it, you know? And she's always telling me that if she was younger, she would totally move out here and things like that. Um, but that, that is very, very hard. But you have to, because like, would you agree with me? The guilt trip, right? Because yeah. if you oh, don't God. Do, I was, was going to say that, the guilt trip. Asian the moms, Laotian moms and their guilt trips. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I had to go against my mom a little bit, you know, but after a while she realized that she understands why I did what I did. Um, because the more success I bring in my life, she gets to tag along. Right. And when she gets to tag along, it makes her happy because she has a daughter that can translate to her and she could say whatever she wants because, you know, 
I'm her daughter, you know, where she was traveling with somebody else. She has to be a little bit more respectful and kind of like, you know, she cannot get to do what she wants. But if she's with me, she tells me how the way it is. You know how he can relate to that. Um, yeah. But sometimes I did have to go and evaluate myself a little bit and say, hey, you know, my mom had her life. I'm not saying that I'm going to be disrespectful against her, but at the same time, I had to like live my life of what I thought was best for me. So if you hear that negative thought, sometimes you have to step back a little bit. I know you're close to your family, but you have to step back a little bit because in the end, if you don't do it, you're always going to wonder what would happen if I took that leap, you know? And I always tell people, even if you fail at it and you need to come back to Rockford, Illinois, I told myself too, if I had to come back to Rockford, Illinois, I can still get my banking job because I left on good terms, you know, um, because I did prepare myself for that too, just in case, you know, and then for the rest of my life, my parents can say, I told you so. But anyways, um, sometimes you do have to distance and you have to really follow what you want to do. Um, like I said, because I say failure is not a bad thing because if you fail at it, you took the chance to try it, you know? And even if you have to go back to where you think you fail, you just need to redo it and do it better the next time. And you'll know, at least you are going to know um, what, 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 what the outcome was instead of sitting there thinking, what if I did this? What if, what if, you see what I mean? So that's something that you have to kind of choose how important that is to you. Yeah. That, because that's sitting important. there, yeah, sitting there is not going to change your life. No. That's some wonderful advice. John, do you have anything uh, for Channing? Yeah, no. Channing, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, I'll tell you, your story is obviously inspiring to people with disabilities, but to be to be honest, it's inspiring to anybody, right, who who really wants to chase a dream uh, and take a shot in life. Because like, like you said, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You took yours and Rockford, Illinois will always be there. <laughs> um, you only have one <laughs> shot to at your dream. Yeah. And, and we're, we're so happy to see you living it. And we look forward to continuing to follow your journey um, on your social media. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. an awesome guest. We love hearing your story. So, and I, I can only imagine, like, as, as a female, as a female, you know, yeah. the pressure for you. I, being a boy or a male, I kind of got away with it because, you know, they didn't, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, the, the males get, a, you know, can get away with it. But the, the females, it seems like, especially in our culture, just more pressure and, and more guilt trips and all that stuff. But that's oh, I good. know, I know, I know. But, but even what you guys are doing now, there is no Laotian podcast that I'm aware of. I don't think so. Um, so right there, you guys are doing something different and you are taking we're, your chance. We're trying. Doing that. We're trying. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why, you know what, and, and I always say, as long as you are consistent, if you are consistent with it, I think you're going to succeed. Right. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. We, we just had a conversation about that before the show. It's kind of like, just got to keep plugging away, you know. It's mm -hmm. just like we, we, we kind of reviewed some of the episodes and we're talking about this one and that one and how can we get more and 
we you know we're on the same page as far as he's a great partner john uh because we just let's keep going let's just let's yeah. keep yeah. trying. we don't we won't know if we don't try right so exactly yeah. yeah yeah i still i would still be in illinois but i listen to my mom see <laughs> <laughs> I'd still be in California if I listen to my mom. (laughs) Well, great. Well, thanks so much, Channing. Enjoy your evening. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the weather. Bye-bye. The C4 Podcast is brought to you by the Lao American Sports Hall of Fame. Visit us on the web at laoamericansports.com, celebrating the first, inspiring the next.